DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Riley Jensen scheduled to join us here momentarily, our college football insider. And PK, we were just talking about the quarterback battle at uh, BYU. And I talked to uh, Ron McBride about Utah. And before I even asked about the quarterbacks, he goes, I think they're going to be okay at quarterback, but your guess is as good as mine as to who it's going to be. That seems like a real wide-open, legit contest and who knows but you're going to be have to be good to win it yeah uh, that's another position there that you want to have some strength obviously you want to have as much strength as you possibly can uh, i'm not sure about rising I mean, the other one the other kid uh, bentley's got more of a track record obviously uh, that, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to win the job but rising has a lot of high school credentials and all but he hadn't played in two years and we've seen a number of kids who have all the high school credentials you could possibly want. Doesn't mean that they're good at the college level. So it remains to be seen. Now, very intriguing to see how that is going to be. And plus, they didn't have the spring ball. And so that sucks for him. Or them, I should say, that they didn't get an opportunity to uh, show their stuff a little bit. All right, DJ and PK, time to bring in Riley Jensen, our college football insider on the Sprint special guest line. Sprint makes it safe and easy to get what you need online. Please visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. Hey, what's up, you sorry dudes? <laughs> uh, we've, been, we've been talking a little uh, quarterbacks here, uh, knowing you are coming on. And I'm curious, before we get to any of the schools and their, their issues um, and what they've got to sort out here, as a guy who puts on summer camp, you're probably a little biased. But I am curious when you look back at your career, you know, there's whether it's the pros with their mini camps, the colleges with the spring football, and then their, you know, individual quote unquote voluntary workouts and all that. How much do guys really improve in that time? And how much of that is you got time so you got to do something? So you do it, but it's not where the real improvement happens. Well, I think it, I think it depends. I think it depends on the on the athlete. To be honest with you, I think I think you get something out of every workout that you do. But I think you have to be a little bit. You have to be intentional about what you're doing. Like there has to be something that you're trying to work on. There has to be some. It can't just be like show up to Mountain West Elite and just have them put me through a bunch of drills. But if you're going through a bunch of drills, but you've really been working on what we call transference or like keeping the upper half of your body closed while the bottom half opens and you're really working on that and, and trying to get better than you do. But I think, I think for me, the interesting part about the COVID-19 and not having access to weight rooms and maybe not having access to as many opportunities to work out is, is, is the guy that was willing to go and just keep physically in shape and mentally in shape. Cause I, I think that's been the hardest thing for anybody. I mean, people who are working in the corporate world, athletes that I'm working with, is just keeping that routine or some semblance of a routine so that your mindset and your mentality is in the right place. And I I think that older players, you're going to see a lot of the, the older players on teams are going to be the ones that, that were able to keep themselves physically fit and keep their mind right and that sort of stuff. Because I think that's hard as a freshman. I think that's hard. As a as a younger player in college football, to keep your mind right. So these these guys that are a little bit more veteran and 
understand what it takes to play college football, they're going to be the ones that put the work in, and I think they're going to be more prepared to play. So the world we're living in today, it's a lot of upheaval, obviously, and you've been dealing in the sports psychology aspect of it, and you went and you got all your certifications and everything that you need, and you're, you're employed professionally at at that have you been dealing with any athletes as far as any of this you've already mentioned the, the COVID-19 but also this is the social unrest that we have well the, the the social unrest is just kind of starting to reveal itself there's been both people in the corporate world and athletes that I've talked to just in the last week about it um it's it's we are we are living in some interesting times we are living in a high anxiety situation and we're living in a situation where there's a lot of unknowns and a lot of um expectations that have kind of been um changed and so working with those people has been really really interesting and i one one of the things that's been really interesting to me is just with the COVID 19 i put together this mindset leadership conference and Speaking to some of my African-American friends who are now coaches, it's been interesting as we talk to each other how much, how much we learned in the locker room, how much we learned on how to get along with each other and understand that, that we, we're all the same, right? And, and there's, there's one in particular interview with um, Coach Ricky Brumfield from the University of Virginia who played with me in college. And this is before George Floyd right, and before some of this, this social unrest really started kind of um, uh, revealing itself again. I wouldn't say that it's, that, it's, that it's all brand new. And we just talked about how he was from New Orleans and I was from Salt Lake and how we really learned to appreciate each other because a, a lot of the things we wanted were exactly the same and how we wished that a lot of people were able to have the same sort of experiences that we had and that we were able to grow and progress with each other. And so uh, that's, that's where it's interesting right now is it, it feels so divided. And I, and I really do wish I could go back with a lot of people or if there's one wish that I could give a lot of people is to go into a locker room and yeah, there's fights and yeah, there's, there's all kinds of different personalities and races and cultures and all kinds of stuff. But, Man, we seem to be able to figure it out in that little microcosm of a locker room, and I think it—I think it's kind of encouraging to me. I think we can figure this out, but gosh, it's still—it's still there's still a lot of anxiety out there, and I think there's a lot of people that are worried about some different things. I've wondered, uh, listening to different people we've had come on the show who have backgrounds in sports, whether it's playing or coaching or both, um, you know, whatever part of their background it is. Uh, how much it is the magic of the locker room and the fact that you're in sports where there's a, um, you know, there's, there's competition, there's a winner and loser, it's clearly defined, and it takes place in a really short period of time, you know, two to three weeks. And then you go to, and we'll just take me, for example, easier for me to talk about me. You know, I go to a radio station, I go to a TV station, they aren't nearly as integrated as a college football locker room is going to be. So is it the fact that it's the sports and you have this goal that's very measurable in the short run that gets people to work together and that's the magic of sports? Or is it just the fact that a college football team by, um, uh, has just 
for a fact, been more integrated than the places I've worked. And that's been what's important, that you had that interaction. Whereas I'm unlikely to have it well, walking into a, call, into a TV station or a radio station because they're mostly white people. Yeah, I think depending on where you live, it's going to be more integrated, right? In, in Utah, obviously, the, the percentage of African-Americans is a little bit lower. There's a high percentage of Polynesian people that are here, and it becomes a little bit more integrated. But I think it's a I, – I would not trade my experience in the locker room because of that diversity and because of the integration. For me, I think it was just so valuable for me to understand and learn that we're all the same. And, and, and I don't – I can't – I think the one thing – I think the one lesson – that I learned from being a college locker room is that I need to be a little bit less offended because there was lots of guys that made fun of me and there was different things that maybe got under my skin a little bit or whatever else. And to be a little bit less offensive, meaning just not so flippant about my attitudes and about the things that I say. And, and if I can do that now, if I can be a little bit less offended and a little bit less offensive, I think, that's a good way to start for me personally. Now, I would encourage everybody else to do that too, but I would never turn in those lessons that I learned in the locker room with a high amount of diversity, figuring out that we all want the same things. We all want to be loved. We all want to have a meaningful life. We all want to have um, good relationships with people. And when, when we figure that out, life becomes a little bit more... I guess illuminated or a little bit more brilliant, at least in my opinion. I mean, I have so many good African American friends from my experiences playing college football, and they taught me a lot. and And I made mistakes, and there there were times where they had to sit me down and say, "Hey, you you can't talk like that, right?" and And I'm so thankful for the ability or or for the friends that I had that helped me to grow and progress and to understand better. Because I did, I admittedly I came, I I came from Logan, Utah, till I I lived there till I was fourteen, and then in Salt Lake from the age of fifteen to eighteen, you know, before I went off to college, and it's mostly white people, and so those experiences I wouldn't trade for anything, and I think they're so valuable to the players that are playing at the schools in state, and I think um, I would not want to trade those in, and I think that's why I'm I'm rooting so hard for football to happen this fall. Not just because I love football and I love the experiences that I had, but also because football is a major money maker. And it, and if you have a daughter that you want to run college track, or if you have a son that you want to have swim on the next level, you want football to happen. And if you want them to learn some of those experiences that I learned by being in the locker room with a diverse group of people. You need to cheer for football to happen and to happen with people in the stands and for some sort of new normal to happen because that money has a direct impact on these smaller sports. And we're already seeing Division Two and Division Three sports that are dropping off. You want football to happen. And, and, and this isn't just dumb football Jock Riley talking. This is a person who cares about my daughter who I'd love to have an experience to play on the next level. I don't know if she'll ever be good enough, but I'd love – I'd love the opportunities to still be there. And so that's why I'm, I'm rooting so hard and hoping so hard for some of these things to happen. 
So a lot of your experiences that shaped you are basically just based on exposure to other people. And once you had that exposure, did you then discover, hey, we're really just the same in terms of we have from different backgrounds, but we all want the same things? Yeah, I, I, listen, I came from great parents who who, who taught me correctly. I, I, I didn't feel like I had anything that was like a major problem, but just being exposed to people and understanding that just on a, on a higher level is always valuable, right? Isn't that always just a great thing to have? I, I think my parents taught me really, really well, and I'm thankful for that. But it's, it's kind of like the difference between reading a book and then going out and practicing what the book taught you, right? <laughs> you have to put these things into application for them to be valuable and meaningful. And that's where I think the experience in college was so great, was not, not just, hey, you should love everyone, you should judge everyone by the content of their character, you should... You should practice the golden rule, Riley. But then I got real experience out there, and I got I got the opportunity to work with so many different cultures and so many different people, and it was such a wonderful thing for me. So there's a difference between reading and learning, and then application. And I think I think college sports was a wonderful place for me to apply the things that I'd been taught growing up. I wonder uh, how much an effort has been made in the past and how much an effort do you think will be made going forward? Uh, Because one thing we've heard about youth sports and the camps you work with deal with high school, but I think you've told me also junior, you have done some stuff for some junior high, you know, kids who are more in that 11, 12, 13 range. Uh, But we've heard how limiting those can be, the socioeconomic factors that end up segregating a lot of those experiences. You know, if you've got to pay you know, 50 or 150 or 250 bucks for whatever camp or day or seven on seven league, whatever it is, a lot of kids get left out of that. And those can make those experiences a lot wider and a lot less integrated. How much has been, how much has been done and how much do you think will be done going forward so that you don't have to be a college age athlete to have the experience you're talking about? Yeah. So one of the things that's been um, interesting and I'll just, I'll just put on my Mountain West elite hat for right now, right, is Riley Jensen grew up on, on, a, on a father's salary that was a school teacher's salary. I mean, he was the tennis coach for Utah State when I was growing up, uh, when I was younger, and then through my high school days and after that, he was a school teacher. And I, I constantly am reminding the people and my business partners that we can't eliminate the Riley Jensen's of the world <clears throat> who – who grew up on a school teacher salary. Now, there were times where I had to go and I had to get the lunch stipends, right? I had to go get the free lunches. We had to sign up. We had to use from time to time when my dad was in between coaching at Utah State and being a school teacher, we had to use the school insurance, right? We had to do some of those things. So I'm familiar with some of those things that happen. So when I'm talking to my coaches, I'm like, we can't eliminate the Riley Jensen's of the world who would have loved to have been at Mountain West Elite. The, scr- the struggle that I have is getting the word out to some of these people who might be in the same position that Riley Jensen was in, in, in high school, who would have loved to have gone to a camp that costs $300 for 10 practices, right? And they just can't afford it, or their parents can't afford it. <clears throat> and part of the struggle that I have is letting people know that there is value to this. What can you pay? 
right? And then I give out between 78 and 100 scholarships every year to Mountain West Elite. And so as a result, you see a camp that's more diverse. You see a camp. But I do feel like there are certain things going on out there if, if people aren't willing to help that, that it does kind of divide it and, it, and it becomes difficult. And it's not, it's not just for African-Americans. It's not just for Polynesians. It's for white people, too, that are in, you know, different areas that, it, that are more tough. And we've all got to do our part, right? We've all got to look around for these opportunities to help um, because we don't want it to be that way. We, that's not what, uh, to me, that's not what America was based on and founded upon. And that's just my opinion. Um, everybody needs to have an opportunity, but I, I do see it. And I, you know, the sport that I see it in the most right now is baseball. I mean, shoot, my kid is going to play baseball for the first time this year. And I'm, I'm starting out of the class and going, Holy crap. You know, everybody's got to have their own helmet now because of COVID-19. Everybody's got to have their own bat. Everybody's got to buy their own pants. I mean, all this stuff was provided when I was young. Right. And, and, and who could afford all that stuff? Right. I mean, I'm fortunate right now that I can, but who knows what tomorrow brings, right? And I'm and I'm ho- I'm hopeful that I can help some other people out, and that and that people are willing to help me out if I was struggling. Oh yeah, you bring up baseball now, and you look at the college rosters, and they're almost exclusively white, and it's a lot of it is right. the financial deal. When I was growing up, I had season tickets to ASU, and the. the, the uh, tons of african-americans and now you just don't see it anymore because it costs too much and a lot of folks can't afford it and i I mean i think that's i think that sucks it does it sucks it sucks that that's not cool at all to me and uh we got to do something and i i think the other thing that that is important and i think there's in in psychology they call it self one and self two in in religion they call it the devil and the angel on your shoulder but the, the angel on your shoulder that should be talking to you is, I could do something. What, what I, some of the things that I'm seeing on TV don't look right. I need to do something, right? And so when, when you feel that, when, when you hear that voice or that, or, or that self-two starts talking to you, like, you need to do something, don't overwhelm yourself with, like, you have to do something incredible to start with. Just start small. Start with somebody in your neighborhood. Start with... Um, speaking up a little bit, start with just being the person that you were brought up to be instead of thinking like, oh, who are you, Riley, to do anything? Who are you to say anything? Well, uh, right now I'm trying to listen a lot, but I certainly can do some small things here and there to get going in the right direction. And, you know, the, the old saying is the good Lord can't steer a parked car. If you're just parked and you're not doing anything, it's hard to, it's hard to steer you in the right direction. So, I'm trying to do my part. I hope everybody's trying to do their part. We can do better. You can do better. I can do better. And man, let's just let's try and let's try and get through this and learn as much as we can. At least that's my thought. Riley, thanks for a few minutes. We appreciate it. Sorry we didn't get to football, but uh, yeah, we'll have you on again and we'll get to football. These, some some of these things are are super important to talk about. Thanks, Riles. Thanks, guys.